Well, I want to encourage you now to turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke, the book of Luke, Luke chapter 24, and our scripture reading will come from verses 1 through 9, 1 through 9, Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 9. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 9. Luke is a close associate of the Apostle Paul, who also penned the book of Acts. Here he writes an account of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, an account that is recorded in each and every gospel because of its importance and centrality to our faith, here in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 9. The scriptures read as such. Verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day rise again? And they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Let's bow in a word of prayer before we begin our study. Oh, Father in heaven, what a wonderful day today is to come to hear your word read, and I pray, God, that once again you would open the eyes of our heart that we might see great and mighty things from thy precious word. In Jesus' name, amen. Easter is celebrated in different ways all around the world. Easter here in the United States is often celebrated in our secular society with eggs, with peeps, with chocolate, with Easter rabbits. The tradition of rabbits and eggs came from German immigrants in the 1700s from the belief that rabbits and eggs symbolize fertility and rebirth. I have wild rabbits in my neighborhood. They sit on my lawn and they're very cute except when they eat my ornamental grasses in my backyard. If you're not from the U.S., however, these practices, these secular traditions that our culture has from chocolates to peeps are all very strange to you. If you're from Finland, your children would go around on Easter Day, wrapped their heads in scarves with soot on their faces, carrying around a broomstick, a coffee pot, or perhaps a bunch of willow twigs. In some areas of western Finland, people burn bonfires on Easter Sunday. Why? Because of a Nordic belief that the flames would ward off witches who fly around on broomsticks from Good Friday to Easter Sunday. In Poland, the boys have a great time on Easter Sunday because they have a tradition in Poland of 
taking whatever they can find, a bucket, a squirt gun, and they try to drench one another in water. And if you're a girl in Poland and you get soaked, well, that simply means you'll be married within a year. All of that comes from some Polish prince who was baptized on Easter Monday in 966 AD. Or if you're in Corfu, Greece, on Holy Saturday, which would have been yesterday, there's a tradition in which, of course, if you're visiting, I don't think you'd want to walk in the streets on that day, but it's a traditional pot-throwing. And what happens on that island in Corfu, Greece, is that people will take their pots, their pans, and other earthenware and throw it out their windows to be smashed on the streets below. And it comes from an idea that old things are thrown out and welcoming in the spring with new crops that will be gathered into the new pots. Needless to say, there are plenty of secular traditions and plenty of meanings assigned to Easter. But for the Christian, Easter means so much more. It is about the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ from the dead. It is essential to our salvation. It is essential to our Christian faith. And it is essential for our future hope. Essential to our salvation, essential to our Christian faith, and essential for our future hope. And so we will be looking at these three themes this morning, even as we've read through the text about the resurrection of our Lord Jesus and the empty tomb. It is essential, first of all, to our Christian faith. In fact, it is important that Christians believe this. If they do not believe in the resurrection, then they cannot be a Christian. Romans 10.9 tells us that it is a must for a Christian to believe in the resurrection. It reads in Romans 10.9 that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There is salvation in no one else, and the Bible tells us that it is he, the Lord Jesus, who suffered, who died, and who was raised from the dead. It is a part of the gospel message, and no one is saved without believing in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 4 tells us, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, so too we might walk in newness of life. If we ever want to walk in newness of life, we must believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. It is essential to our salvation. Secondly, it is essential to our entire Christian faith. It is a fact. It is essential and core to what we believe, as Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 15, 16. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. In other words, if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, Christianity would be like any other world religion whose founder and leader remains in the grave. But Easter celebrates the fact that he was raised from the dead and our Lord and Savior is alive today. The resurrection is a resounding theme in the early church. From the early church and its inception, the very first 
message, the very first sermon that was ever preached after Jesus arose from the dead in Acts chapter 2 by the Apostle Peter was thematic on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And it became a theme of apostolic preaching throughout the book of Acts. Peter preached it in Acts chapter 2. He preached it in Acts chapter 4. He preached it in Acts chapter 10. Stephen preached it in Acts chapter 7. Philip told of the resurrection in Acts chapter 8. And the apostle Paul in Acts 9, 13, and 28 continued to preach about the Lord Jesus who was raised from the dead. And with the exception of very few times, a few heresies in the history of the church, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus has never, ever been challenged within the church itself until our modern age of humanistic skepticism. It has always been held as a truth. God provided the evidence of the empty tomb. He provided the risen Savior who appeared to hundreds of witnesses at various times in various places, eyewitness accounts of so many people who had seen and spoken with the Lord Jesus. Professor Thomas Arnold, who wrote the three-volume History of Rome and has the chair of modern history in Oxford, he writes, quote, the evidence for our Lord's life and death and resurrection may be, as often has been, shown to be satisfactory. It is good according to the common rules for distinguishing good evidence from bad. Thousands and tens of thousands of persons have gone through it piece by piece as carefully as a judge summing up a most important cause. I myself have done it many times not to persuade others, but to satisfy myself. I have been used for many years to study the histories of other times and examine the weight of evidence of those who have written about them. And I know of no one fact in the history of mankind which has proved by better and fuller evidence than the great sign which God has given us that Jesus Christ died and rose again from the dead, unquote. It is essential to our Christian faith. So not only is it essential to our salvation, it is essential to our Christian faith, but thirdly, it is essential to our future hope, our future hope. Second Corinthians tells us, He was raised up, and He being raised up shall raise us up also. The resurrection of Christ is not simply an event that happened in history, but it has implications to our future hope. It has been the hope of God's people, a hope of a future, a hope of eternal life, a hope of a resurrected life and life in heaven with God. It has been the hope in the scriptures ever since the days of Abraham who looked forward to a future hope. It was the hope of Moses. It was the hope of Job who wrote of it. Isaiah, of Daniel, of David, who all looked forward to that hope, that hope of a resurrection, the hope of eternal life in heaven with God. But maybe you're here this morning, and you don't really know. Maybe you're unsure. 
as to whether or not that someone could actually be raised from the dead. Maybe you question whether or not it's true. Maybe you've had discussions with other Christians about the whole subject on the meaning of Easter and resurrection. Maybe you doubt that there's even life after death. Might I suggest that at the very least, you ought to hope that there is a resurrection and life everlasting that might be available. Why? Because in the end, if this world is all that there is, in the end, what good does it do? In the big picture of things, if there is no hope, if your hope is only in this life, and there is no hope for a life everlasting, no hope of heaven, what ultimate meaning is there in life for you if there's nothing beyond this life? And if this is the life, well, what good does that do as a motivation for you here and now? But if there is a life after death, and if there is eternal life and the promise of heaven that the scriptures speak of, then there is tremendous meaning for those who have placed their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus. There's tremendous and incredible motivation in this life to live for that which is yet future. If you were to place, for example, two employees in an assembly line job, a monotonous job in which you assemble the same parts over and over again for eight hours a day, five days a week, for 50 weeks in a year, and if you were to promise one worker the sum of $20,000 at the end of that year for his job, and if you were to promise another worker at the end of that same year to pay them $20 million, do you think that there would be a whole lot less complaining about the monotony and how boring the job is by one over the other? Do you think that there would perhaps be a different attitude towards the one who has promised $20 million, more tolerant of the working conditions, more, a better attitude of not wanting to lose their job or quit? Yes. Why? Because one worker looks forward to the future of a tremendous reward that awaits for them who is faithful. And so too it is for the Christian, the future reward of the resurrection, the future reward of the treasures that God has for us in heaven, the future reward that makes today's sufferings, that makes today's problems and trials pale in comparison and to what lies ahead. It makes it all the more bearable. But the person who has no hope of some unknown future, well, there's little motivation, little motivation to live for the future because there is no future. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus is essential to salvation. It is essential to our Christian faith. It is essential to our future hope. My desire and hope for you is that you do have that hope, that hope that is guaranteed because our Savior lives. There is a hope that is given to those who would turn from living their own way and trying to earn by their own good deeds a place in heaven. 
that they would turn to God and trust in what Christ has done on the cross, that because of the love of God that He died on the cross for your sins and that He desires that you would turn and place your faith in Him, in what He has done and He alone can do, that He desires to forgive you and to grant to you the free gift of eternal life would come to Him in repentance and faith. There is a well-known hymn that is sung, and we have sung it, whose verses read, God sent His Son. They call Him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. How sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives, but greater still the calm assurance this child can face uncertain day because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father in heaven, the hope of eternal life is there because of our risen Savior, because he lives. And we can face the future, an unknown future, because You hold all things in your hands, and, O God, we pray that you would continue to grant to us an assured hope in our heart that we might cling to the promises of your word. We pray, Father, that you would grant salvation to any and all who do not know you, asking, Father, for your grace and mercy. And, Lord, we give you glory because of your risen Son. In Jesus' name, amen.